This is The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 335. The real gift of coaching is helping our clients move beyond that surface level problem-solving focus to deeper, more masterful coaching, creating transformative change. What paths do we need to walk to get to that level of mastery? That's what I'm talking about today with my guest, Lisa Dare. We dive into engaging our brains, neuroscience, and what we as coaches need to do both personally and as coaches to help create this kind of masterful transformation. Join us for this rich discussion. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here with us. We've got this great show with a friend of mine, Lisa Dare, who is a very talented coach and facilitator and trainer and management consultant. And we'll talk in just a minute about all that she brings to the show. I'm just so grateful that she's joining us because this is a rich episode. Um, if it's your first time to the Star Coach Show, welcome. This show is dedicated to help you use coaching in your life, whether you are a coach and you are engaging with others through the process of coaching to meet their goals, to engage with other people in a more meaningful way, to strengthen their relationships, whether you are a leader and you're using coaching in your leadership style, you are in the right place. I'm Meg Rentschler. I'm an executive and leadership coach. I'm also a coach mentor and coach trainer and believe that the way that we engage through curiosity and connection through the process of coaching can ultimately change the way that we have relationships and and the way that we lead and the way that we engage. So I'm thrilled to be able to bring the Star Coach Show to you every week to be able to tap into how you engage through the process of coaching in a skill set. And that's what this show this week is all about. Also, how you, if you are a coach and that is your business, you need to be able to build a business that helps you thrive and grow and do your work in the world. And we've got shows to help you do that. We have shows that help leaders use coaching as their leadership style, and also how coaching can change organizations. So please, if this is your first time here, explore our show at starcoachshow.com. Learn about the different kinds of shows that we have. We have over 300 shows at this point to help you engage with coaching. That's what I'm all about. That's why I have the Star Coach membership site to help you go deeper and engage with other coaches why I do mentor coaching to help leaders and coaches strengthen their muscles, and why I engage with 
leaders around the world to help them use coaching as a leadership style. So please go to starcoachshow.com and explore the resources there so that you can get the most benefit from what we're doing here to help you be the best you can be. So with that, I couldn't have a better example of showing up as our best and bringing our coaching forward than my guest today, who is Lisa Dare. Lisa and I have known each other for a couple of years. I am consistently impressed with the way that she views things, her thoughtful engagement with new ideas, with processes. Lisa is a multifaceted, certified, and accredited professional coach. As I mentioned, she's also a management consultant. She's a facilitator. Her expertise is leadership development, change management, organizational effectiveness, and strategic planning. She brings over 20 years of experience through different industries and roles. She actually mentions this in her interview. Her educational background is in the sciences. She's a pharmacist. She lives in Canada. She got her degree from the University of Alberta. And her coaching certification and advanced leadership training through Coaches Training Institute. So she brings her CTI experience. I bring my experience with my training. And we just have this rich discussion today about how to move from transactional coaching into transformational coaching. We talk about neuroscience. We talk about the stairway to coaching mastery, the different paths that we have to walk. And Lisa shares her rich experience, her perspective, and challenges each of us to really go deeper with our clients. If you're ever frustrated about, am I going deep enough? This is an episode that you're going to want to tap into. We're going to talk about how values really impact deeper coaching. And as a little bonus, at the very beginning, I talked to Lisa about her credibility and visibility through her work or or how she shows up on a regular basis on social media. So I've got to tell you this, we, we touched on many things. I loved this conversation and can't wait to share it with you. So let's go to my conversation with Lisa Dare. Lisa Dare, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Oh, thank you, Meg. I'm excited and delighted to be here. I always love spending time with you. I have to say, just like starting out, Lisa and I are going to be talking about increasing mastery in our coaching skills, what we need to be thinking about, how we can move from a transactional kind of coaching to a deeper transformative, what that means for our own development, what that means for our clients. Lisa and I are both executive coaches, so we'll be leaning into the whole concept of leadership. And before we even dive into all of that, Lisa, I didn't even tell you that I was going to talk about this, but I'm really One of the things that you do really well is you continually show up on social media platforms to talk about the things you do, to talk not so more to talk about the concepts that you bring forward or the way that you, the things you want people to think about. 
And since that's something I consistently challenge coaches to do, as we were starting, I thought, you know what, let's put that this in the place, because that you're doing that again by showing up here and talking about this. When you decide to jump on an Instagram live or, you know, have a talk with people about what you think is important in the world and, and what you want people to think about, what would you like the audience to be thinking about, about the importance of getting our message out into the world? Uh, that's a great question. So I think a lot of the times what I'm hoping the impact is, Meg, is that it will get people to pause and reflect and it will evoke in them maybe some reminder of something that's happening for them or for them to connect to something in their own world, right? Because I I try to share things that really, that come to me when I'm working with my clients, conversations, I notice themes. I'll notice that in a particular week, I'll have several coaching sessions that focus on a particular theme. So for example, last week it was energy. And I had a number of clients talk about, you know, my key leadership challenge, it's not this, whatever, hitting this metric or building this team, it's actually managing my energy. And it's like, right. And I'm guessing that there are a lot of other people that are struggling with that as well. And so those are the kinds of things that I bring to the world. Because I think that again, anybody could benefit from it, not just those people that have a formal leadership position, but we're all leaders in our own lives. And we all lead incredibly full, busy, crazy, insane lives, right? How many of us are addicted to busyness? And so to be able to share something like that, to get people to pause and reflect, and to get the message across that, you know what, we're all leaders, whether you have that position or not, we're all leading in some way, and we all contribute to the impact that we have in the world. I love that. And I just, uh, one last thing around showing up, bringing that message, never knowing who it's going to land on and how it's going to impact them. What has your consistency in jumping on lives, sharing these themes, sharing insights, awarenesses, perspectives that you have? What has it done for two things, I guess? A, your comfort in doing that, and B, your visibility. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because we are in such an instant gratification world. So it's really a battle of that fighting the concern of like, oh my gosh, no one's watching or someone watched and they just disappeared, right? It's just like, right? They lurked and then they went away. And, And I think the thing that we don't realize is that Again, just like in the leadership training that I did with CTI, we're having an impact whether we realize it or not. And one of the things that's interesting, Meg, is the number of times that I've run into colleagues or people that I know and they're like, oh my God, like I see you all the time, like on social media, like you're really out there. And oh, like, and I love watching you, the ones when you're out walking, right? And and I think the one thing is that for me, the there was that initial like, oh God, like maybe I shouldn't go on like because you know I'm, my hair is a mess or like it's winter and like my hair is frozen and you know it's just like and my nose is running and it's like who wants to see this right? But then it's like, but that's that's real life, like that's us showing up as ourselves. And I think it's also about role modeling that if 
my part of my work is to help people to be comfortable in their own skin and accept who they are, then I've got to be comfortable. Like I, I don't need to be made up like I was in a studio. Like this is real life. And I think that consistency gives, you know, one, a greater comfort level to just kind of show up, whip up a, a live if I need to. And then so, yeah, no problem. But the the other thing that it has done, and I actually had this message from someone who is a colleague who unfortunately has had some very serious health issues that's prevented mm-hmm. her from working for some period of time, is from time to time, she'll send me messages saying, please keep posting those inspirational messages because it helps me to keep going. Oh. And that to me is like gold, right? Because I had no idea, didn't know that that was, you know, happening for her, right? In terms of the impact. Right. And so I think that's just important to recognize, right? Because this goes out into cyberspace. We don't know who's seeing it, how it's impacting them. But when you get those little snippets of validation, it's just like, right, I can keep going, right? Because it is having some kind of an impact, right? And I have to believe that that will ripple. Love that. So thank you for kind of going down a path that we didn't discuss, but that I wanted to use as an example, doing it even maybe sometimes when we don't feel like doing it or when the wind is whipping, Lisa lives up in Canada, it does get cold in the winter there. (laughs) And yet you're consistently bringing that forward. And I believe creating transformative thought processes for people, challenging the way that we engage or, you know, sometimes offering inspiration or something to hold on to. So thank you for doing that. And let's now turn into the concept of, as coaches, when we want to really create impact and help our clients create ongoing change for themselves, it's a lot of that is the concept of, are we doing transactional work with our clients? Are we going to the deeper transformative level? Are we creating lists with them or are we actually helping them understand the thing beneath the thing that's getting in the way or the thought processes that are working with them or against them, those kinds of things. So when we just like setting the table for this, when we think about increasing masterful coaching and the concept of transactional to transformative, what immediately pops into your brain and where do you think we should start? Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind and and you and I talked about this is that I think there's kind of two paths that are going on and they're parallel paths. And one is our own journey and one is the journey that we're taking with our clients. And so I think that what comes up to mind for me is that the picture that comes is of those steps when somebody's learning something. So you start with being you know, unconsciously incompetent, then you become consciously incompetent, then you become consciously competent, right? And then unconscious competent. And I think that happens in so many situations in our lives. When we first start a career and we're learning how to do something, right? When we experience some kind of a life change, right? So, so many different examples of that. And so for me, it's that when we start at the beginning and we're unconsciously incompetent and even becoming consciously incompetent, it's that is very transactional in that we're learning the basics of something, right? And then I think as we move up the stairway, 
we are honing, we're um, like a craftsman, we're honing that. And then it becomes something that's effortless. But in the process, in particular with coaching, it is also something that is, we are evolving and changing, much like the movement of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Where we fulfill the basic needs and then we move towards self-actualization. I think that's where we become really masterful as coaches is when we can help our clients, coaches, whatever term we want to use, when we move them from just the 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 sort of the simple act of doing something and the going through the motions to actually doing it with meaning and the results that it creates as a result of that, right? That move them towards self-actualization. So it's not even just so much like, oh, did you, are you better at delegating now? But it's like, what is the impact of you being able to let go of control, trust your direct reports and how they're performing and how you're leading, right? So I think there's a quality difference there. Love that. So over the years, I mean, I think about back when I started being a therapist in mid 80s, things have evolved so much. And one of the things that we've learned more and more about and has allowed us to partner differently with people is the whole concept of neuroscience, what we're learning about our brain and pathways and the whole nine yards. So how would you bring neuroscience into this discussion about partnering with our clients in a way that allows the whole person to be coached and the whole brain to be coached? So I get to geek out on this because I, I love all this stuff, right? So oh, geek away. Um, yeah. You know, I think it starts with some very foundational pieces around understanding that a lot of the the genesis of our behavior is rooted in that need for safety, right? That's one of the very basic premises that we know from research in neuroscience is that our brain is wired to be a giant security system. So it's wired to go towards things that are pleasurable and feel safe. And it's wired to move away from things that have us feel like we're in danger. But now that basic sort of function of our brain is is manifesting itself in a lot of different behaviors, right? For most of us who are fortunate to live in environments that are relatively safe, it is not an environmental threat, but it is more psychological or emotional threats. Right. Uh, and then I think we're also, you know, and in doing that, you know, there's a great, there's all the the work done by Richard Boyatzis and his team that talk about like the task positive network versus the default mode network and how if we're coaching from a place of inspiration and opportunity that that's better than activating the sympathetic nervous system where like, so Meg, why didn't you get that? Like, so how are you going to get that done? And when are you going to get that done by versus like, what what would, you know, what would achieving that give you, Meg? You know, like, so it's informing us about how we can translate the skills that we have with our clients to be more successful in creating the kinds of shifts in behavior that they want in order to achieve much more meaningful lives. And it's also about, you know, even if we have, if, you know, I coach people that are very technical. Uh, I was just talking to a client the other day, who's a, an urban planner, lovely woman. And she said, well, I love the technical. And she said, but now in my career, I've moved to the point where I lead a team. She said, I still get to do some technical stuff. But she said, I know what I'm not good at. She said, 
is I'm not really good at listening. You know, and she said, I talk over people or I cut them off. And then she said, you know, and then people feel like I'm not approachable or, you know, I'm just going to fight with them over something. And she says, I don't like that. Right. And so she doesn't like the reputation that she has. Exactly. And it's not actually reflecting the values that she has. Right. And so again, this is that opportunity to then say, okay, well, it's not really um, a left brain thing to change that behavior. It's actually a right brain thing around being connected to your values and having that translated through, wow, if I really respect and honor people and I value learning and helping others to grow and develop, listening will help me to do that, right? Listening more effectively, right? So that's where we start to then engage, right? I can give them instructions on how to do some of that through the left brain, but then the right brain needs to come in and go, and what, what do I do with this information? How will this show up for me, right? So, and again, tons of stuff through neuroscience, right? Understanding also the impact of trauma, right? So I think it's just really something that's so valuable for us as coaches to learn about. And I also think, and this is my little rant, it also distinguishes us from the people that took the life coaching course for $7 on a weekend and think that they can hang a shingle out and save lives, right? It's like... <laughs> so there's a span of, of training and differentiation there, yes. So you actually reminded me, I was doing a mentor session earlier and listening to a coaching conversation between the coach and, and the client. And it the client was very obviously in a place of ambivalence. There were uh, a major life decision was in front of her, was really struggling with the good sides of both and the, the costs of both. And when the coach asked, so what do you want to be able to walk away with from our time together? I think that this happens sometimes. And I want everybody to hear that the client, it was so big for the client. She said, she kind of went to a tactical place. I just Mm -hmm. want to know my first step. So coach kind of followed her into that first step and it became very tactical and creating lists and creating you know, maybe what's the first thing I should do here? And the and I was and and my feedback to the coach was the first thing about what? What is it that you believe she wants to do the first step in? Because there was not even clarity about there was a sea of ambivalence. So we talked about the fact that sometimes with ambivalence, you need to be able to reflect both sides of the ambivalence. You need to be able to tap into the values that are beneath this major decision versus a tactical list. Now, following the process of coaching, what was lovely in listening to that conversation is that, hey, this is a very skilled coach. She just kind of got lost in the, she probably got lost in the ambivalence, (laughs) but that naturally the process sort of, luckily, because the coach was skilled enough, it did get to that place finally where it was, it really became about values and and looking at both sides of the continuum of that ambivalence and and even into some you know it doesn't have to be black and white all or nothing thinking but just that point that you're saying I wanted to bring that up as an example of the times that we might fall into a very transactional kind of coaching believing that it's what the client wants and that sometimes that's what the client is offering because they don't 
realize that there is something deeper. And I think we need to be able to use our language, use reflection, hear what's being presented and offer something deeper to the client. Not that I'm going to say to the client, do you want this to be transactional or transformational? (laughs) (laughs) But actually, by the way, I use my words, my reflections, my questions, help the client go to those deeper levels. What are your thoughts about that? We'll be back to my interview with Lisa Dare right after this. As Lisa points out in her interview, to be more masterful in our coaching, we walk two paths. And I want to talk to you today about the path that you're walking in your own development and growth as a coach. To be truly masterful, we need to continue to sharpen our saw and focus in on our own development so that we're not developing bad habits. I would love to invite you to work with me in the next mentor program that is beginning May 9th, where we will zero in on your coaching around the core competencies, around how you are showing up in that coaching partnership, and really strengthen your coaching muscles. I love doing my coaching mentor program because coaches are here to impact the world. And one way we do that is building our skills and our confidence. A recent graduate of the program said, Meg's thoughtful approach met me where I was and helped me to grow. She asked powerful questions that helped me reflect on who I wanted to be as a coach. She was an excellent role model of the coaching process and her support was vital as I tried skills, gained confidence, and found my own voice as a coach. She was always present and ready to support me in my growth and development as a coach. Thank you, Bendilla, for that testimonial. And if you would like to have that support and challenge to grow as a coach, go to starcoachshow.com slash mentor, starcoachshow.com slash mentor, and explore joining us. We would love to have you, and the group is capped at 10. So don't delay. And now let's back to the show with Lisa Dare. Well, and I think that that, you know, the analogy that comes to mind, because I do do a lot of coach training in terms of just even teaching leaders and individual contributors about coaching as a skill and a modality is that that reminds me of the, the iceberg model, right? And I think that's where we become masterful as coaches, because let's face it, if you want to have a feel good conversation with somebody, and it's just like, oh, so what's the problem? right? And then it's like, and let's be honest, like, could the client not have come up with that themselves if they thought about it, right? Like, it probably is a bit obvious, right? After a while, right? So to your point, I think it's we need to reverse that the the set of steps to say what we need to actually do. And I and this is what I present as the model is that we need to actually spend a lot of time in assessing. And in reality, that's a really important skill for a lot of things like I just taught a decision-making course and that's actually important, right? Because what you're talking about, Meg, is 
we're actually helping the client to make choices, right? So if they're ambivalent, we're actually helping them to make a decision, right? Right. And likely one that has a lot at stake, right? And sometimes the ambivalence is due to a reluctance to really examine the factors behind the decisions that are there, right? The choices that are there. So it's really about putting the the client in a place where they're they feel empowered. There's uh, age, they have agency, right, and that they are confident in making a decision and choosing a path forward. And that doesn't happen by staying at the surface and addressing the iceberg. It's actually what's underneath the iceberg. And I think it's also for us as coaches to find the courage to name that which is not being spoken, right? What's your intuition saying, right? Like we become masterful and good at what we do because we have spidey senses or whatever we want to call it. But it's like, name it, say it, right? Be so bold as to want be almost fired by your client, right? Because I think when we circle around with tactics, that's a safe place to go. Right. And so what I said to the coach was, do you really think she couldn't have come up with that list on her own? <laughs> and the coach actually said, I knew, I even knew at the moment, this is not where we want to go, but I wasn't sure where to go. So, but yeah, so that's something to maybe ask ourselves. What are you holding back and and afraid to say or cautious about saying that is in service of your client? So, so good. Um, So one of the other things, you know, you had mentioned as we were talking before the interview that to bring the two sides of the brain together, we need to factor in the heart. Mm. And how would you, what else do you want to lean into around that? Well, I think, you know, part of that goes back to um, not forgetting the basics of what we learned in our coach training, which I think um, is around values, right? How intrinsically important values are, right, to this. I think sometimes we get so caught up in problem solving that we forget that the, the client has a compass and that compass is called values, Right. And when we can um, bring when we can bring that back into it, integrate that in to just say, so how does that, you know, how is what we're talking about connected to those things that you feel are important, that you value and hold important? Or how is this disconnecting you from your values? Is it honoring? Right. Really challenging. And then I think it's also about creating safe space and holding a space for emotion as well. Um, And to what you just said, it's about our language, right? So being aware of where, where's my preference and where's my style. So for example, I know from my Myers-Briggs that I'm an ENTP. So I noticed after, you know, uh, a while that I would ask a lot of, well, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts about that? Right. But then it's just like, I need to ask, like, how did, how do you feel about that? Right. What, what emotions come up for you? Or what do you notice happening inside of you as a result of this, right? So it's also being aware of our preferences, our styles, language, how that impacts, right? And bringing that in there and creating space. Um, I had a client the other day. And again, it was a debrief session. They had, um, they were in a three-day workshop and we were doing their feedback session on their assessment. And out of nowhere, she started talking about um, the fact that she had only shared with a few people. She was, um, you know, uh, probably mid-career. So I'm going to say, you know, a woman in her 30s, uh, been successful so far. 
she was, she was pregnant, but she started to cry because she said, I don't know what this is going to do to my identity. Because she said, I've been, I'm, I've only known myself, right, in terms of the roles that she's had in her career, as much as she wanted a child, she felt like it was going to, she was going to get left behind. And I, you know, and I immediately said, first of all, you know, you have full permission to be with whatever's going on. And then, you know, you just kind of are very gently sort of saying, you know, like, get them to articulate what that's, what's being expressed through that, right? So what is this emotion that's that's coming up for you? What's it saying, right? And for her, it was, I'm afraid of being left behind. You know, I'm afraid that, you know, if I take this time off to have this child, it's not going to be the same anymore. I might not have the same opportunities, right? But then we got to a place where she was talking about success. And I said, well, what does that, you know, what does that really mean for you? And she says, what's well, to be happy? So her, so what she said was, now she said, I have a mantra that I'm going to write down and remind myself of, which is that success equals happiness. And so I think, again, right, that's that movement from transactional, which would be to, well, let's talk about your identity crisis, to, you know, what does that really mean? And, and actually having the client experience that full range of what that particular issue for them means. And that's what leads to long, sustainable change versus a flash in the pan, sort of, okay, I dealt with that particular crisis, but what did I learn from it? How did I change from it? What did I learn from that that's that's transferable to just the way that I engage in general? Or whenever this particular thing happens, this is what comes up in me. Are we helping them bridge that as well? Well, and I think it's also a good reminder to, you know, your um, anybody um, as a coach who's watching this, that our clients are actually really hungry for this, right? Because I, I don't know how often this comes up, Meg, but how often does that sort of sabotage voice go like, oh, like, we're not here to like, do therapy, right? It's just like, but you know, it's like, but if we don't take clients to a greater depth of experience, again, I, this is just my opinion and my little rant, then we're just having feel good conversations, or we're not, we're only scratching the surface of what they are really longing to explore. Well, and as a therapist or a a former therapist, I can say that often, there are many things put under the therapy umbrella that aren't necessarily only therapy, just like coaching, Mm -hmm. there are many things that are called coaching that are not coaching. So Mm -hmm. I can say, with all integrity and belief that having a conversation about emotions or a conversation about how we want to show up or what kinds of ways we want to be different as a being is not only a therapy conversation. You know, I think that much of that is dependent upon any kind of historical, long-term embedded beliefs that might need to be mined. That might be something that, that requires a therapy conversation. But having a conversation that puts, you know, both sides of our brain together with our heart, with our values, going deeper and determining what are those fears, what are those beliefs, what are the value? I mean, all those, that's why we're there to partner with the client to help unearth those kinds of things. And one of the things that that brings me to is since we both train coaches and and are sort of aware of those conversations, I often hear 
but I'm not there to do therapy. And I believe that part of that has to do with the coach's discomfort of stepping into a place of uncomfortable emotions or stepping into a place of challenge for the client, of an internal challenge for the client. So I think that that comes into how are we evolving as coaches ourselves? What are we doing to grow and learn on our own journey forward? And how that has to do with this whole concept of, you know, sort of our own transformative journey. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, you know, what I was saying at the beginning is that there's two parallel paths. There's the the skills and competencies that we develop, but it's it's also about our journey evolving along with that of our clients. And I think when we do that, I think, and certainly I've noticed that it has changed the quality of the kinds of conversations I have with clients. It might even change the kinds of clients that I resonate and attract, right? Which is fine, right? Because then, you know, we're with those that are going to benefit from that, right? But I think, you know, it is about really holding ourselves to that standard of if I want to encourage, you know, open-mindedness and suspending of judgment, what am I doing to, to go on my own path, right? So for example, you know, because my training, original training is in the sciences, Um, I know that I can predominate with a lot of logic and analytics, even though I do have a very strong intuitive side, which doesn't, you know, which I think in the beginning didn't surface as much in my coaching. And now it's about how do I ensure that that is there and that I bring that in. And of course, that's part of the ICF competencies as well, right? Is that we, you know, also um, bring in that intuitive side of ourselves. So I think that that's really important for us to ask ourselves, what am I doing, right, in terms of my own growth and development, my own learning, you know, I've gone into, you know, a lot of stuff around mindfulness, you know, things that will help people in terms of, you know, I've, you know, learned a little bit about polyvagal theory to sort of help people to help my clients to learn things to kind of normalize their nervous system. I remember at one point earlier on in my training, I watched a demo at one of our chapter meetings and the coach started by saying, now we're going to start by putting our hand over our heart, right? And I just thought like, oh, I would never do, like, I was just like, no, no, not for me. (laughs) Oh, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. (laughs) But, you know, in retrospect, it's like, you know what, like that worked for her and maybe I wouldn't do quite that, but I do bring a lot more um, emotion and feeling and sort of the more intangible, softer qualities into it, because it's not just about facts and data. It's also about this is a human being with like feelings and emotions and all kinds of other things going on, right, that need to be part of that mix, which means that I also have to be evolving and doing things that will allow me to to be in that space. And part of that could be, of course, right, working with our own coach. Right, right. One of the things that that we're both really passionate about is helping coaches and other people in the workplace tap into the skills and the things that we do, almost the be- things we believe in as coaches to have more effective communication, to be able to have greater impact in the workplace, to, and my whole passion is to create healthier workplaces for people to exist in. So one of the, as, as we're, I know we're getting close on time, but I'm just wanting to lean into what your belief is when you help a leader use 
more coaching skills to create more transformative leadership? Like, what is it that, what's the message that you carry to the leaders that you work with about the importance of these kinds of conversations? Well, I think, you know, there's a number of, there's a number of things that come to mind. And first of all, which is really top of mind for me, because I'm doing more diversity, equity, and inclusion work is that it creates more inclusive workplaces. And really in, you know, quite frankly, before uh, this really became such an important thing at the forefront, and I think it's great that it is, that should have been something that should have been happening anyways, right? right? People should feel like they can bring their whole selves to work. People should feel like who they are uniquely is valued and honored and not questioned, right? And that there should have always been equity, right? Right. Yeah. And this is why yeah. is this a new thing versus and I don't even like the question why, but yeah. Um, exactly. And I think, you know, what it also means is that so from an organizational perspective, it means you have people that are more engaged, they're more productive, they're more committed. But I think in the bigger scheme of things, it means that you are creating workplaces that allow people to thrive. And really, uh, again, right, if I think about, you know, because I still think about my little ROI stuff is that it means you've got succession plans in place, you've got people that are getting developed that can be the the next generation of leaders. Um, But you've just got people that overall are much happier, right, the level of happiness, right. And it's also freeing up leaders to focus on those things that are important for them to do, which is setting direction, inspiring, creating that vision so that the their teams can really do the work at hand, right? Because I think that there's a lot of inefficiencies, mm-hmm. um, but it is also about allowing leaders to lead from their values versus lead from the score sheet, right? It's like lead from your values, have that being felt by the people that you work with and um, you know, report to you, right? And ultimately to whoever it is that you're serving, right? Because that will be felt and people will be touched by that much more than some of those sort of hard data that we talk about. Love that. And I do believe that leaders want to do the best they can, and they're not always empowered or given the tools to know how to do that. So working with an executive coach who understands and can help empower that is just well, it's life-changing. So uh, Lisa, as, as we wrap up our time together today, first of all, I'm so grateful that you took time to share your expertise with all of us. Wondering if there's anything that's glaring to you that we left on the table regarding the concept of moving from transactional coaching to more transformative coaching. Well, I think, you know, the one thing that I would say just as sort of a parting comment, Megan, it's something that I am also mindful of, because I think a big part of continuing to to be masterful at what we do is looking for opportunities to improve, right? What can I continue to hone and sharpen? And I think one of the biggest things is notice when the energy goes to problem solving versus being curious, right? So it's the quality of the questions. Am I starting to go down the Oh, so what, what have you tried? Or, you know, like, it's like the stay away from those, like, you know, there, it's a timing thing, right? You don't want to be like launching into that. There's a time for that, but ask yourself, you know, have I really thoroughly under helped this person to explore 
and understand all the facets of this um, of this situation, not only from the tactical side, but from the emotional side, right? I mean, as an example, today, one of my participants in the class said on decision-making, well, I struggle with the small decisions. If I have to have like, I can't figure out what to have for dinner, right? And she says, I get, you know, analysis paralysis. And I said, well, that's a fascinating thing to think about as to what causes that, right? And I said, sometimes it's being given too much choice, but what else is there, right? So it's getting curious and continuing to pull on those threads before you whip out an answer or again, start to go down the, and what are you going to do about that? Right, exactly. So good. So, so, so good. Lisa, if people want to connect with you and know more about you, what's a good way for them to do so? Well, through my website, uh, which is www.lisadare.com. So, and I'm also on LinkedIn as well. And I know that you'll have that in the show notes. We make, so I would encourage people to connect with me through either of those channels. Beautiful. We'll have links for both your LinkedIn and your website in the show notes. Lisa Dare, always a joy. Thank you so much for bringing this rich discussion to us today so that we can all really be challenged on how we are using the power of coaching in the most transformative way possible. Oh, well, thank you for uh, the opportunity to uh, be uh, with you on the show, Meg. Absolutely. If you enjoyed my interview with Lisa, even a little bit as much as I enjoyed my time with Lisa, then we are in good shape. If you'd like to know more about Lisa Dare and the work she does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 335, starcoachshow.com slash 335 for information in the show notes. My conversation with Lisa continues in the membership community where we dive into even more of her expertise. If you'd like to know more about the membership community, go to starcoachshow.com and explore membership. Next week, I'm going solo. We're going to be talking about your value proposition. How are you getting your value proposition out into the world and attracting people towards you? Once again, if you are wanting to earn continuing education, and build your coaching muscles, I invite you to join me in the next mentor program. Go to starcoachshow.com slash mentor, starcoachshow.com slash mentor and explore your options. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.